You're listening to investingforeternity.com radio, American History, Part 4. At the turn of the 20th century, Christians who held to the fundamentals of the faith were battling the Pharisaical leaven and published and distributed to churches, free of charge, a defense of the faith entitled The Fundamentals. While The Fundamentals was a valiant and commendable defense against the evil of the Christ-denying apostates, the fundamentalists had no offensive plan, that is, no plans to overcome the evil with good. They'd lost the vision of the founding forefathers, the vision of the kingdom of God for time as well as for eternity. After World War I, the fundamentalists decided that God had preordained things to get worse and worse until Christ's second advent, that the world was going to go to hell no matter what they did, so there was no use polishing brass on a sinking ship. They embraced a heresy known as dispensationalism and retreated into a privatized and hyper-spiritual monasticism, restricted their mission to soul salvation, and left civil government and education to the devil's crowd. The problem with retreating into a monastery and turning civil affairs over to the unregenerate is that eventually hell invades all of life, including the monastery. Are the forces of hell supposed to prevail in this present age, the time between Christ's first and second advent? No, quite the opposite. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church will conquer the strongholds of hell. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. All of God's creation, the earth itself as well as the animals and plants, are waiting to be delivered from the consequences of man's sin. We are to work to change our culture from one of corruption and bondage to one of liberty. Liberty, liberty for all of creation. According to Matthew Henry, the principal intention of the Great Commission is to do your utmost to make the nations Christian. In Matthew 28, 18-20, Jesus did not say, teach them the message of personal salvation. Rather, he said, baptize and teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. All things certainly includes the message of personal salvation, which is where it has to start. But it is much more than that. Being born again is no more the end of the Christian life than being born physically is the end of the physical life. Being born is just the beginning. Once we are born physically or spiritually, that is, born again, we are to live, to grow, and mature. Growing and maturing spiritually means learning to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and our neighbor as ourselves. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfilling of the law. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Sin is a transgression of the law. We are saved purely by God's grace, but if we are truly saved, we will want to obey God's moral law as our standard of conduct and establish that law as the law of the land. 
Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. The preceding scripture seems to contradict 1 John 1.8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The Apostle Paul explains this apparent contradiction in chapters 7 and 8 of Romans. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Flesh in this context refers to the fallen human nature, that is, pride and selfishness, that still resides to some extent even in the regenerate until they meet the Lord Jesus in eternity. Since the old nature in us still sins, we confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because not all men are regenerate and even the regenerate don't keep the law perfectly, Liberty cannot be achieved nor maintained apart from enforcement of the biblical moral laws. Dispensationalists take phrases such as, Ye are not under the law, but under grace. Romans 6.14 Out of context to assert that Christians are under no obligation to obey the Ten Commandments or other moral biblical laws. When the verses following make it abundantly clear that the biblical moral laws are the standard of conduct for Christians. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? Romans six fifteen and 16. Those in Christ are dead to sin and therefore not under the condemnation and burden of the law, but they are under the law as a standard of conduct and are obligated to obey the moral laws to the best of their ability. Dispensationalists who preach that our country's civil laws should not be biblical law bear much guilt for the out-of-control crime in our country. Dispensational assertions notwithstanding Christ made it clear in the first three Gospels that the kingdom of God began with his first advent. His statement in John 18:36, My kingdom is not of this world, doesn't mean Christians were not to work to establish his kingdom henceforth, but simply that his kingdom was not to be established by the existential power of the sword, but rather would begin in men's hearts and extend from there to all spheres of life, including civil government and that his kingdom would be perfected in its final form in the new heavens and earth, apart from and uncontaminated by the sin and depravity of the old fallen world. He taught his disciples to pray, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. What Jesus tells us to pray for, we are to work for also. I'm Donald Crumb. You've been listening to InvestingForEternity.com radio.